I feel like I should maybe put a disclaimer on this episode of the OHL podcast because with Craig Hartsburg as the guest, this might just turn into a a, a love letter to Sault Saint Marie. Fair, <laughs> unfair, Hartsy. <laughs> it's fair. <laughs> <laughs> so how does a how does a Stratford, Ontario boy end up being such a big fan of the northern city of Sault Ste. Marie? Well, it's an interesting story. Um, I was 15. I was playing in Guelph, Tier 2 for the Guelph Biltmores, and just playing, playing hockey. And, you know, I obviously wanted to be a hockey player at that point. And when the OHL draft came about, uh, Kitchener had the first pick, London had the second pick, and Sault Ste. Marie had the third pick. And so I remember my dad talking to me that you're, you're probably going to go in the top two or three picks. And I'm 15 years old. You're just kind of like, blah, 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 blah. So Kitchener, London, obviously pretty close to Stratford. And we were pretty excited about playing there. And so the draft day came and I was uh, still living in, in Guelph because I went there to play tier two and got home from school and then the phone rang and was Angela Bombaco. And he said, we just selected you as the third pick to Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds. And I'm thinking, okay, where is Sault Ste. Marie? (laughs) So anyways, I called my mom and dad and uh, we were trying to figure out what our next step was. And so Angelo, Jim McCauley, who was part owner and, uh, John Reynolds, who was the PR guy, called me and said, we're going to come pick you up, take you back to Stratford. And we want to meet your parents. And I said, okay. So they picked me up in Guelph. We drove to Stratford. And my mom wouldn't let them in the house because they were like, she was like, you're not going to Sault Ste. Marie. <laughs> and so anyways, I went in the house and my mom and dad were talking. Blah, blah. So we ended up letting them in the house and they came in and they sold us the you know, we'll fly you up and we'll let you see the Sioux. We'll let you see what Sioux St. Marie is all about. And so we went up there and a good friend of ours, the family, Rick Comley, was the, was the coach in at Lake Superior State at that point. And so he came over and, and met with us. And he, he, was our, he was the Sioux Greyhound's biggest salesman, to tell you the truth. He, he sold us on the Sioux. Anyways, we looked around, we saw the city, and it was like, okay, I'm going to go. And then I, I went, and to be honest, I've never left. It, uh, my wife, I left met my wife in high school, and my daughter lives there with our two grandsons who play minor hockey in the Sioux. So the Sioux is the greatest place. Anybody that in southern Ontario that gets drafted by the Sioux, it is one of the greatest places to play junior hockey. Is it true, Craig, that one of your first jobs was taking care of the grass and the bill around the billboards and painting sides of them up there in the Sioux too? Yes, I, I went home after my my first year in the Sioux. I was sixty. I went home that after my second year. I said I decided I wanted to stay in the Sioux as a seventeen-year-old, and my billet, Don Mitchell. Who he owned an advertising company, had all the billboards in town, and that was my summer job. I 
cut grass around the, the billboards. I painted the, the, the side of the billboards and, uh, and, and again, I end up spending the summer there because I met a kind of a special girl. And, <laughs> and, uh, so it was, it was pretty neat. Uh, the, the Sioux in the summer is uh, probably the most beautiful place in Ontario. And in the winter, it can be a little bit snowy. And uh, we, you, you've probably experienced that. <laughs> <laughs> I sure have. <laughs> but anyways, it's uh, turned out to be a, a, just a great experience in my life as, as a hockey player, for sure. Was it those Sioux summers, Craig, that fostered your love of fishing? <laughs> for sure my again my billet uh family don mitchell was a big fisherman and uh i love fishing in Stratford, we my parents owned a cottage on lake huron and we used to go fish perch on the shore and stuff but uh when i got a chance to move to the sudan took me pickerel fishing and trout fishing and so it was pretty pretty neat place if you're if you're an outdoors guy and you, you like fishing uh, the Northern Ontario, the Sioux is, is a great place. You know, being from Southern Ontario myself, cottaging on Lake Huron, very common. What a difference though, cottaging on Lake Huron or being up on the shores of Lake Superior like you are in the Sioux. Oh, it's, it's totally different. And we still have a, uh, I'm in Florida right now and we'll go back early May uh, we have a place on the shipping channel now, just actually east of the Sioux. And uh, we get to watch all the, sh the, the big ships go through. But, and, but fishing up there is, is outdoors is, is pretty pretty neat place. And pickerel fishing, we love walleye. We call them walleye in the States, pickerel in Canada. But uh, it's, it's my grandkids, I, I take them now. Uh, we go on a fishing trip every summer to fly in fishing and uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's a great place. Any, again, any kid that gets drafted to the Sioux, trust me, it's, it, you'll, you'll love it. Your parents will love it. There's great people up there and uh, it's, it'll be a great experience in your life. You mentioned Angelo Bombacco's name, uh, whose name is synonymous with the Sioux St. Marie Greyhounds. How much of an influence did he have on you as a young man, Craig? Oh, he was an amazing person. He cared about us as kids. He was our general manager, and but he cared about us as kids. I remember he, he owned a, him and his brother, Joe, owned a sports store. Uh, it was probably the only hockey store in the Sioux at that point. But I, as a young kid, I used, after school, I used to go over there before practice and just look at sticks and kind of wander around. And he'd say, Artsy, go down the basement and pick out two sticks. So I go down and pick out a couple sticks. And, and uh, I remember the first time I was picked by the, the Finn Cups to go uh, overseas with the Finn Cups to play in the World Junior Tournament. And he, he took me out. He said, Artsy, you said, go down to this, this clothing store, pick out a suit. And I know the Greyhounds didn't pay for it. It, it Angelo paid for it. He just uh, he cared about us as kids. It, he wanted the best for us, and he wanted us to represent Sioux Savory and the Sioux Greyhounds the best we could. So he again he wanted to make sure that I was well dressed. I went to the World Championship representing the Sioux, and 
And uh, he was an amazing man. And anybody that played when Angelo was there, it was, uh, you have special memories of Angelo. I guess it goes without saying that the recent announcement that Saginaw would, had been awarded the Memorial Cup over Sault Ste. Marie as one of the other contenders is a little bit disappointing to a guy like you. It is. And, and I'm actually on the board of, of, of the Greyhounds. And I know we had lots of discussions before it. And uh, we were certainly actually was I think it was two years ago because of COVID or that we thought we were, were going to be the front runner. And I know we, we applied and it didn't happen. But this one, we had some stiff competition. And uh, Saginaw will be a great place for it. Uh, they're a great organization. They've, all, they've done a great job. Uh, but again, I, we thought the Sioux, it would have been a perfect place for the Memorial Cup in Canada. It's a small town that loves hockey and has hosted it before and done a great job in a really small rink. And now the, the building in the Sioux is, is, is more equipped to, to hold a Memorial Cup. So, yeah, it was disappointing, but it is what it is. Life moves on and, and uh, we, we wish Saginaw nothing but the best. Your last year playing up there in the Sioux, Craig, some scrawny little kid from Brantford shows up wearing a flashy number on his jersey, no less. Uh, what were your first impressions of this kid called Gretzky? Uh, well, actually, he didn't have a He had flashy. nine there, didn't he? No, he started with number 14. 14. Because nine was taken. And uh, Muzz McPherson, who was a quite a promoter of everything himself included but play his players and he, he he talked Wayne into wearing 99 number nine was taken by Brian Galazzi uh and he was a Sioux native that was a good player but uh when Wayne showed up at training camp it was like and I'm sure we were all the same when we showed up at camp we're a scrawny little 16 year olds and everybody's talked about this Phenom, and I had actually seen him a lot living in Stratford because Bradford would play Stratford. Uh, so I knew he was a pretty special player, but training camp started and it was like, okay, this little scrawny little guy. It took us about maybe two days of camp to realize that this guy is pretty special. And he made passes and plays that were like, mm, that's that's not normal. <laughs> And the start of the season, I, I, I ended up getting hurt actually in dur during training camp and missed the first part of the year. But watching, it was like amazing what he, he was doing. And and he went on to have probably the, well, I'm sure it's the greatest first year stats of any player to ever play in the Ontario Hockey League. Of course, from being his teammate in junior, you had to play against him. For a long time in the pros, did he give you fits? Did you did you sleep well nights before you you knew you had to play in the Edmonton Oilers? Well, you know what it was. He was it, it wasn't a physical fear that you would have of playing Wayne. It was just the the mental part because he was he was so far ahead of everybody. He thought the game two steps ahead ahead of everybody. So again, if you're trying to defend him, it it, it wasn't like you worried so much about him beating you it's just like okay where is he going to pass the puck where who's 
And that's what I think everybody, you know, realized as it went on. It was it wasn't like trying to stop Wayne one on one. Most players in in the world can get stopped one on one. It's just where he was going to find an open person, and he again he thought two steps ahead of anybody that was on the ice. How much fun was it for you to be a teammate of his again at that 87 Canada cup? Oh, well, and I was at the 81 Canada cup as well with them, but the 87, him and Lemieux, uh, they, they kind of pushed themselves each other kind of It was almost like they challenged each other to see um, how good they could be and the, the Russians were an amazing team like they had players that were unbelievable and they had they were our best two players that they they rose they, their game rose to a level that uh, that uh, again I, you probably asked the both of them that they've never played at that level again it was it was simply amazing really and it was fun to be part of um, as that's, it was only a two out of three series, but it, it seemed like it was a four out of seven because every shift was so important. And again, those guys, when the game was on the line, they, they made the difference at, at the highest level ever. And it was so much, it, it's a highlight of my hockey career, really, to be part of that. I know it's, it's unfair, really to make comparisons, but you have said that Gretzky was the best you ever played with. Even having both of those guys on the same team, pushing one another like they did, you still give the nod to 99. Yes. Well, I got to play with him in junior when he was 16 and 100, I think it was, I believe it was 182 points or whatever it was like that will never probably ever happen again in the Ontario hockey league to see that. And we, we were a decent team, but we, we certainly weren't a uh, superstar team. We, we had a good team. We ended up going through the playoffs and lost to Bobby Smith in, in Ottawa. But uh, he, he made some pretty average players look pretty good. <laughs> you know, we touch on those, those two Canada Cups, and I know there was more internationally, including – the world juniors that you mentioned when Mr. Bumbacco helped you get a suit when you went over with the Fin Cups, you had a couple of chances at the juniors when you were playing and several more as a coach where you managed to win gold. Is there a comparison, Craig, between going as a player and donning that jersey, going back as a coach and leading the team to victory? Well, there, there was a big difference. Um, back in the 80s, I don't think the international competition was as important to Canada. Um, again, we went over there and played with the Fin Cups. We, they, and again, again, the team did very well. They lost, I think they were a bronze medal. Uh, the next year in, ha- in Montreal, there was the first time they put a team together from all across Canada. And we ended up Again, I think we got a bronze medal. We lost to Sweden in the semifinals. But again, I don't, it, at that point, it wasn't that important. And when I got a chance to be part of the coaching staff uh, with Team Canada in, in the 2000s, it was a, it's, a, it's a huge event now. 
for Canada. And uh, I was fortunate to be assistant coach with Brent Sutter. We won a gold in, in Vancouver. And then I was head coach in, in Sweden and the Czech Republic. And we won. So I, I, I was blessed. I had three, I've won three gold medals with the world junior team. And it was, it was just an awesome experience to be part of, part of that. Uh, as a player, again, it wasn't that important to the country, but now you watch at Christmas time, it's, 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 it's huge. And to be part of that was, was amazing. Uh, again, I was very fortunate. We had some great players and the kids were unbelievable. We, we, we had some success and again, it was other than uh, the Canada Cup, it's probably the, the second biggest highlight of my career being coach of, the, of Canada's World Junior Tournament team. You know, you, you talk about the event that it's become and how much is really at stake and how much Canada invests in it, even just emotionally. And I wonder as a coach, two pieces to it really, how you bring all of that talent together and, and try to mold it into a team in a short period of time and how you manage emotions, which has got to be one of the biggest parts of the job. You know you've got the talent. Yeah, you know, the first part, the first part of your question was, as a coach, you trust Hockey Canada staff to, to, to give you the info on the kids because we, we cut probably a lot of kids that were higher scorers or maybe deemed as better players. Uh, and we wanted kids that would do that, would, would, would play a role that would uh, be able to accept a lesser role on this team than they would on their own team. So, again, we trusted trusted the, the Hockey Canada staff to, to, to give us input. And so we made the right selections uh, the three years that I was there that would allow us to do that. And uh, the emotional part is, is hard because the kids are so ramped up. And, you know, if you, you have to make sure it's all directed in the right way. And the, the biggest, I remember the, the one, the, the biggest challenge we had was my last year there and we were playing Sweden in the Czech Republic and we played a heck of a game. We we're up two nothing for most of the game. Uh, Sweden scored a couple goals in the third period and they scored with like a minute left to tie. And then the kids were devastated. Like they, you know, and again, we're talking about kids like, uh, kid, not kids now, but Brad Marchant, uh, Claude Giroux, and so we go back to the room. We had to play overtime, and it was that—that that was the the emotions at that point were completely out of control, really, because they they thought they had screwed up the gold medal, and we really had to get them back to <clears throat> thinking that you know what, we still have we we can still win this thing. We just have to score a goal in overtime, and and uh, we end up uh, going back out and. Two of our grinder players, uh, uh, Matt Halschuk, ended up scoring the uh, Kitchener Ranger, ended up scoring the winning goal in overtime, and it was uh, it was it was again the emotions were. I remember talking to kids on the ice after, and 
guys like Claude Giroux were in tears. It was just uh, uh, they thought they had let the country down by letting Sweden tie in the last minute, but again, they end up coming through when it when it counted in overtime. Yeah, that's uh, remarkable stuff, and you know that that memory will be with you forever, oh, without question. Oh, for sure. Those the, the, the those kids that we had on those three two, three years that I was there, they were they were amazing. They they were cared about the team first. They they're all great, really good hockey players. Some of them have turned into Hall of Famers, and uh, but it, it it was it's just a great experience. And and I, it's my, again, my wife went across into into Europe with us. And again, I remember after. I don't know if the year before when Jonathan Taze was in the shootout with the, uh, with the U S and he's, we kept putting him out there and for, for three in a row, he scored. And I remember my wife coming after the end of the game, she was in tears. She said, don't ever do that again. And I, was like, well, I would wish we didn't have to, but, but the kids, they're, they're so much fun at the, at that tournament. It's, it's amazing. How did you know, or what led to your decision when you left junior to jump into the WHA? Uh, it was it was uh, it was hard. I, I, it was we we had I had played three years at junior, and uh, and I remember after our season ended, we played Ottawa in a, in a really great series, an eight game series, and we end up losing. And my agent was Bill Waters. And my dad flew up to the Sioux and they said they have an offer, you know, to play next year, the WHA. And, uh, and again, I'm still young. And so you're listening to people thinking that telling you that it's, it's going to be for your development. Uh, it's going to help you prepare to play in the NHL. And it was like, you know, I hate leaving the Sioux, uh, but at that point, I think it was the best thing for, for myself and, and the other guys that came with me uh, as the baby bulls. I think it, it, it really prepared us to play in the NHL. We got a year of playing professional hockey, living on our own, not in, with a billet family or, or your own family. And it gave us a chance to, to play against men. And uh, so, again, once we got to the National Hockey League the year after, I think we were much, much more prepared to, to play in the NHL. Do you remember a game that first year, Craig, when you were a baby bull against Hartford when the power went out in the arena? Oh, yeah, I do. <laughs> it, there's a few stories I have from that year, but that was uh, weird. I can't remember it was first, second period, but all of a sudden we were playing and all of a sudden the whole building went black like like you couldn't see a thing and it was like you you did everything you could to to get back to the bench because you kind of knew the direction maybe it was and got back to the bench and then uh it was it was kind of chaos a little bit and then we end up getting back to the dressing room but there was no lights anywhere and eventually somebody found flashlights and all that stuff and uh, but it it was wild. Like in the middle of a hockey game, it just goes completely black, and uh, they end up canceling the game. And, uh, uh, and I think we uh, 
came back at some point, played it, but it, it was pretty bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> what are some of those other stories you remember from that year? Oh, oh. well, I remember we, we flew, we were supposed to play in Quebec on a, on a Wednesday. So we flew up there on Tuesday and so we're in Quebec and then we flew up early enough to, you know, go for dinner. And then we're in our rooms and all of a sudden the phone rings and said, well, we're not playing tomorrow because the league forgot to tell us that they changed the game till Thursday. (laughs) So it was like, okay, whatever. (laughs) But it was actually a pretty good league. It was really, it was a pretty good league. There was only six teams and uh, we were all Birmingham. We had, we had a bunch of young players and, uh playing against guys like Gordy Howe and Bobby Hall it was it was it was a pretty pretty good league actually you know it occurs to me as you talk about flying and obviously you would from Birmingham to Quebec but what a difference that must have been from a year prior when you're still in junior with the Sioux Greyhounds and you're taking the longest bus trips that anybody in junior has to take no we we flew did you even back then well, we had a, they had a DC-3, one of those planes that kind of sat on the runway pointing like this. And again, we had some pretty interesting flights. And I think that's, Wayne, Wayne hated flying when he got to the NHL. And I swear to God, it was because of flying on this DC-3 in the Sioux. Like we flew... The night the Edmund Fitzgerald went down in Sault Ste. Well, just outside, we were flying back from Toronto. So we got to Sudbury and the, the pilot gets on and he says, we have to make an emergency landing in Sudbury. We cannot fly any farther. And meanwhile, we were just bouncing all over the place. So we, we, we spent the night in Sudbury. So the next day, and again, the weather was just horrible and we're flying from Sudbury to the Sioux, which normally would take us 45 to 50 minutes. It took us almost two hours because we're headed right into this storm. And Muzz McPherson, he started saying, he got the microphone, he started singing, bringing in the sheep, (laughs) bringing in the sheep. And we're just, we're grabbing the, grabbing the arm, rest and it was um, it was crazy anyway so we had we had some trips with that plane that was was uh pretty crazy and the kids now they all bus and i I probably would say right now you're probably better off bussing i was gonna say it sounds like you might have preferred a bus at that point eh (laughs) well it used to take we used to fly we used to fly to like london and we'd get a school bus take us to the rink and then after the game, the school bus would take us back to the airport. We'd fly to Kitchener. <laughs> <laughs> It'd take us longer to get on the plane, off the plane, get on the school bus, and take go to the hotel. And so it was. It was pretty. It was pretty wild. It was interesting. They they sold everybody on it. It was the greatest place. We're gonna, we're gonna fly, but it was this little DC three that sat probably like thirty people and. Stuffed all our equipment in the back. <laughs> I got to say, you, you took my breath away just a little bit when you talked about being up in the air the night the Edmund Fitzgerald went down. Because, of course, anybody who knows anything about Canadian music knows the famous song, which must have even more meaning to a guy like you, all things considered. 
Oh yeah, I, know there's a, I remember fly, or my first year we were flying to Oshawa on the day of the game of the playoffs, first game of the playoffs, and so we take off and the one uh, engine is all of a sudden there's it's on fire, <laughs> so we had to turn back back to the Sioux, and we took a commercial flight like left at three o'clock in the afternoon, and then got to Oshawa at like whatever five thirty played the game and, and this was the first game of the playoffs. So, so there was, there was lots of good plates too. We, I remember we played in Kenora. We went to play our tier two team that in Kenora, we went up to play an exhibition game and it was great. It was lots of fun, but it was like minus 35 degrees. So we get back on the plane and they had sandwiches and pop for us. Everything was froze solid. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting on the plane. So, anyways, I had three years. It was it was awesome. You know what I want my son to or grandson to do the same thing and not playing like that. Probably not. But they they have they have a great uh, great organization there in the Sioux with the with the buses and everything. They they do a great job of treating these kids great. But uh, we we've all got some stories to tell. <laughs> that's wild you know we we talked about you being a, a third overall into the Ontario Hockey League to the Sioux Gaston Gingras I think went first to Kitchener in that draft and then it was another defenseman did Ramage go first or was he just the first D your NHL draft uh yes Rob was and we lived together in Birmingham Rob and I lived together oh. and uh so he was the first pick uh, I'm trying to think who how that draft went, but yeah, I was I ended up being the sixth. Six there were some big names in that draft, and you oh, went ahead of Ray Bork, by the way. I know, and I just played golf with him the other day, and he reminded me of that too. So, <laughs> <laughs> did you know that uh, Minnesota was going to take you? No, I had no clue, really. Um, up to the draft again. I think actually St. Louis had the second pick and they picked Terry uh, Perry Turnbull. And that was all along. Uh, Bill Waters has said probably St. Louis. So in the morning of the draft, I think LA had the third pick and I can't remember who they picked. He said, okay, he might end up in LA. And I said, okay, so I'm just waiting at the phone. And finally I got a call and it was because they don't, the draft, it was actually a, august draft they pushed it back because of the merger with the wha and so no players were at the draft it was nothing like they do now so we were all just sitting by the phone waiting to see who drafted you and, and i got the call and the agent and then lou nanny who was from the sioux uh called and said you're part of the north stars so i was pretty excited Man, the, the suit connections just keep coming up in your career here, Craig. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> it, it wasn't long after uh, that you start with the Minnesota North Stars in the National Hockey League that you're in a Stanley Cup final against, of all teams, the New York Islanders during their dynasty. What yeah. do you remember of that experience? Uh, well, obviously not the way we want it to, to go, but... They, they were they were so good and I have no problem saying that they were a better team they were experienced they were had veteran players hall of famers and uh, we you know 
to get there, we, we had to go through some real good teams and tough teams to get there. And, um, but it, when, once we got there, they, you know, we, I think they beat us in five games and, uh, they were, they were just too strong. They won four cups in a row. And I believe we were the second, second of their cups. And, uh, they had bossy Trache, Gillies, Potvin, all hall of fame players, but they had great role players that were, they were tough and, and played the right way. And, uh, so again, it was, a, it was a great experience getting there and we were a young team. We thought, well, we didn't win this year. We probably are going to get back in the next year or two to have another shot, but it just, it's a tough league. And we, we never got back to that, uh, that point again. Were there any similarities? I mean, obviously the market is much bigger, but you're talking in Minnesota, I'm thinking comparisons to Sault Ste. Marie when you're in a Northern climate and the, the city is just mad for hockey. Oh, I loved that. That was the best thing for me. It was like, I, it was like going, we didn't, it was like it never left Canada, really. The, the hockey was, uh, the weather, the hockey, uh, the people, it, it was a great place. I, we were there 11 years um, and we loved every minute of it. It's, uh, it is a big, big town, big city. Minneapolis, St. Paul is, is a big area. But again, we felt that we were just going to a bigger Sault Ste. Marie. <laughs> <laughs> you were such a young man, Craig, when you had to hang him up due to injury, obviously. But how tough was that for a guy that plays, you know, you're almost 600 games into a pro career. Hockey's basically all you've known. How tough was it to hang him up? It was hard, really hard. Um, but I could not continue to play at a level that that would allow me to play in the NHL. I've, I've had two hips or hip replacements. I'm going to have my knee replaced this summer. And uh, what, what was happening though, was I was exposing myself to more injuries because I end up getting hit more. And I, I just was not very mobile at, at, on the ice because of basically my one hip and my, my one knee at that point. And, uh, it was tough and, and I loved the game and I wanted to be part of the game, but you know, I just, I, I couldn't play, uh, at the NHL level because of the injuries that I had. Did you know while you were playing that coaching was something that you might pursue or how did that come about? Uh, not for the first part of my career it was certainly wasn't a thought at the end, the last couple of years, because I knew again, because of the injuries that I was probably getting going to have to retire earlier than, than what I wanted. So I started to think about it and I always enjoyed the prep, the preparation part as a player, uh, talk of what the other team, uh, weaknesses, strengths, and you're always, I always enjoyed that part of it. So uh, my last couple of years, I started probably paying a little bit more attention to that. And, and, and again, so when I retired in the middle of the year, uh, Pierre Page was the coach of Minnesota at that point. He asked if I wanted to stay on and just be a, a kind of advisor in the press box, maybe come out, come on the ice and practice and, and give my opinion, help the D and stuff like that. So I did it and, and I liked it. I loved it. And 
So after that year, uh, Paul Holmgren, who played in Minnesota his last couple years, was ended up being the head coach in Philly. And uh, we became pretty close in, in, in Minnesota. So he, he asked if I would, would be interested in, in uh, moving to Philly and be part of his staff. So that's kind of how it all started. I'm going to come right back to that because from Philly, it took an interesting turn in your coaching career, kind of a full circle moment, I would think. But I wondered about the letter on your on your sweater too, Craig, and how much of that might have made coaches look at you and think there might be something here. But two years in the Sioux, seven years in Minnesota. If it wasn't for Darian Hatcher, you'd be the longest serving uh, captain in Minnesota <laughs> history. But what does it mean to have that C on your sweater? Uh, you know what? It's, it's an honor really. It's, uh, and, and I've, I've coached lots of teams too, where we've made captains and I, and I try to tell them my experience a little bit is that we're, we're not making you captain to try to, so you have to do anything different. Just be yourself. Uh, you may have to speak up more at times, uh, but just, Go about your business as you are. That's why you've made your captain. It, but it is an honor to be a captain. It, 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 they choose you because of most. You choose a captain because of the values and the principles that you have, and and uh, your impact in the game. You know, you, uh, how you play the game the right way, and so it, it is. It is an honor. Any any person out there, any player that's a captain at junior level or NHL or any at any level, really, it is an honor because they're picking you because of who you are. Not they're trying not. They don't want you to try to be something other than who you are. So that sort of full circle moment I alluded to a second ago takes you back to Guelph from Philadelphia. You you become a head coach in the Ontario Hockey League with the Guelph Storm. You talked earlier when Angela Bombacco came to see you for the first time, you were with the Biltmore Hatters. Uh, they're Mad Hatters there in Guelph. But back into the Ontario Hockey League as a head coach and all the way to an OHL championship. What was it like getting back behind a bench in the O? because I, I, I worked for some unbelievable people in Guelph. And to this day, probably the, the, the best person that I worked for was Mike Kelly. And all my career as a player or as a coach and coach in the NHL, Mike Kelly is, is probably the best person that I've worked for. And uh, the ownership group there in, in Guelph was unbelievable. Jim Rooney was our president. And again, it was, it was a pretty unique situation. I went there and, and it turned out to be my, probably the best decision I've ever made in hockey in going to Guelph. Mike Kelly was just uh, inducted into the Guelph Sports Hall of Fame. Oh, and well-deserved. Yeah. It's, a, it's a great honor. Uh, for a great man and um, pretty proud of him. If if that was a bit of a full circle moment, though, come on, going to coach in Sault Ste. Marie <laughs> as the head coach of the Greyhounds. I don't know if it could have gotten any better than that for you, Craig. <laughs> 
Well, it was, it, yeah, well, for sure. It was, uh, uh, when I left, I, I got fired in Anaheim and, uh, actually a friend of mine from the Sioux, we both, we, together, we tried to buy the Greyhounds and put a bid in. We got outbid, uh, by another group and the other group actually, uh, asked me to, to come and coach and, and be the GM. And it was kind of a, it was, it was a bit of a, controversial thing in the Sioux who who was going to get the team who was going to buy the team so uh, there was some little bit of hard feelings but I you know what it was the Greyhounds they're they were my team they're they're what helped me as a young boy become a man so uh, I I was so pumped to to, to go back to the Sioux and uh coach in the Sioux. It was, it, it was, again, it was a, it was like a surreal. It was a dream. My, my wife, we, we, we were so excited to go back and live in the Sioux. It didn't last the whole long the first time. I, I, <laughs> you know, I know I move around a little bit. So, but the first time it was, it was pretty neat. And, and so was the second time to go back to the Sioux. What was your coaching philosophy or style? How did you motivate guys? Well, I think for me, I, I based how our team was going to be played on on some certain principles. Uh, work ethic was going to be a premium. Discipline was was going to be a premium. Uh, team first attitude was going to be a premium. Uh, so those starting with you know some principles like that, we. You know, we, we were going to, whether we had the best players or average players, we were going to try to be the best team and get the most out of our kids. And especially, in, and I'm talking again, probably more junior hockey at this point, but uh, we, we wanted our kids to play for each other. We wanted them to, to be disciplined on and off the ice. We were probably maybe a little more strict off the ice than, than maybe most teams in the league. But we felt that that was very important. If, if uh, parents are going to send us their 17, 16 year old kids, we were going to make sure that they were in school. We were going to make sure that they weren't out at night. And some of the kids didn't like it at times, but we certainly wanted to, we wanted to run the program uh, the way I would want if I was a parent sending my kid there and uh, were we, were we demanding? Yes. I was very demanding on this is how, what we're going to do on the ice. There was no, there was no, there was no gray area as far as how hard we had to play, how hard we had to compete. Uh, this, you know, the, the team play was, was going to be, this is how you do it. And but we, I believe that's, what kids needed, they needed discipline and they, they needed to, and again, we thought it was best for the, the kids plus the, their parents and the community that these kids were part of this program. One of those other stops in your coaching career at the pro level was with Chicago, where you coached a guy by the name of Chris Chelios. I've heard you say before, if Gretzky was the best you ever played with, Chelios was the best you ever coached. Oh, no question. He, uh, and I, I coached some other pretty good players. 
Paul Korea, <laughs> Delaney. But Chris was the ultimate warrior, competitor, uh, just a and and uh, just an elite player. Like he, I don't know how many Norris trophies he won. One Norris trophy when he was playing for me, but uh, and and he was he was a hard guy. He, he wasn't uh, he, he wasn't a warm and cuddly guy. We talked to him all the time. He, but he. He wanted to win more than any player that I've ever been around, really, as a coach or a player. You know, you, you kind of joked that the first time in the suit didn't go so well. You bounced around a bit, which is the life of a coach, isn't it, Craig? We still say to this day, coaches are hired to be fired. That must take a toll on you as a person and certainly on family life. Uh, it does. But you know what? It, it's like you, you move on pretty quick. When, when you, you have to believe in yourself if you're, if you're going to be a young coach that wants to move on, uh, you, got, you have to keep your, your ears open. You have to learn. You have to listen. You have to see things. And you have to take criticism. And unfortunately, your family have to, has to learn to deal with that too, um, which is not easy, you know, whether you have kids or your wife. And uh, it's it's probably easy easier for you as the coach than it is for your family. How do those media guys up in the Sioux treat you? Eh? Rucci and Rusan uh, and I could I could list them all off here. Uh, well, they are awesome people, actually. <laughs> Bill Montague and, and Billy, uh, yeah, yeah, and Peter Rucci. There, you know what they 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 did a great job when they covered the suit, neither one of them are now working in the media, but they, they cared. They cared about their job first, but they also cared about hockey and they cared about the Greyhounds because they, they thought it was important for them, for them to do their job the right way. And, you know, there it was their days I wanted to strangle Bill or, or tell Peter to take a hike. Yeah. And and Randy Randy Russin is the same thing. He's he's they're un, those three guys were unbelievable. And, and as a young coach, uh, to deal with people that care that much in the media, it makes you a better coach. You know, it's and I've always said that it's like, and I'm not being critical, but if you're coaching in Mississauga, like you don't have to, you don't really get to. Do you learn that part of the business and in the Sioux and probably Kitchener as well, because they're in London and the, the markets that were people care about the team. You, you have to learn how to deal with the media at a, at, if you're a young coach. And I, I think it's a, it's part of the learning experience for young coaches to, to, to get better and move on to the next level. As a player or as a coach, Craig, was there an OHL city that you just dreaded visiting? <laughs> uh, not dreaded. Uh, there, there was always places at times where people were, and, I, and Windsor was, Windsor had some, when they were old building it, there had some hardcore, <laughs> <laughs> and actually, and, and in Kitchener, Kitchener was not, there was two or three, got men that sat behind the bench in Kitchener that were really hard on the visiting team. Um, but for the most part, it, it was kind of fun 
you know, like the, the, the junior hockey is is a great it's 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 a great entertainment and and uh, and and now there's some really nice buildings and uh, when again Windsor was not a great building to go into. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, that old barn was a barn. Yeah. So, anyways, but no, I, it was always a challenge, you know. Our, and it was always a challenge to go on the road with seventeen, eighteen-year-old kids because you know some of them were, were. It was all new to them. You know, you go into London now. The London rink it's nine thousand. You put a sixteen-year-old on the rink in the game in a, in London. It's like wow. It, it, and Kitchener's same thing because they, you know, great fan support stuff that they're coming from playing midget hockey all of a sudden there are nine thousand people and they they love it but it's still they're like their eyes get big as saucers so but uh you know not really i don't think there's a building that you're like ah this is terrible other than maybe when the old i think the old windsor rink was was uh there was that was a tough crowd there yeah they could give you a hard time no question it usually comes up when we go down that road do you miss the old gardens in the Sioux? i i do but i think the building we have now in the Sioux is is unbelievable it's, it's perfect uh, isn't it it's unbelievable perfect for the for the city and uh the old gardens again i I remember playing there, and and uh, it's it's good. it's a special place, but it it it's time was done. Really, it it was time to move on from the crooked seats and. The... <laughs> <laughs> but but no, uh, it, it was a fun place. I remember, and I remember when I was sixteen, I went up there, and coming from Stratford, we we had a nice little rink at Stratford, but still the Memorial Gardens in the Sioux. I looked, I still thought this was the greatest building and then i remember going back to coach there and i'm going oh boy we need a new building how <laughs> <laughs> your perspective changes eh? and this you know what the, you know god bless the city and and the ownership there they they did a great job in, in getting that building through and uh it's 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 been a huge help to keep the franchise there good reminder for me on stratford and the allman arena i i know I know it could probably use a whole lot of upgrades, but there's a charm to a, an arena like that for sure. Oh yeah. It's, I haven't been there for a few years, but I, if you, next time you, if you're ever there, watch when you walk in the front door, there's a little star there with my name. on the front. Door. <laughs> I'm going to look for it now. Yeah. But no, I remember that as a kid too, because that was, uh, it, it was, it was so much fun. We, because again, we used to play, if you played Kitchener, you from novice peewee bantam it would be on a tuesday night every team would play kitchener from starting at six o'clock seven o'clock eight o'clock and then you'd go to kitchener maybe the week after waterloo so it was kind of again it was a community night where you were playing kitchener on a tuesday night and and people would go starting at six o'clock to watch the you know the little guys and all the way up to the midget team so it it was a pretty pretty neat place you're we're talking about a a career in hockey craig for you that that spans more than 40 years at this point not to date you or anything but how do you feel about where our game is at today well i think the game is 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 so much 
better in so many ways, but there are some areas that you probably look at and say, okay, I wish maybe this was a little different, but I think in general, the game is so much better, so much faster. There's so much more skill uh, at, at all levels. I, my grandkids play in the Sioux and AAA and they're amazing little players. And, and there's other kids they play with their, again, we're in Northern Ontario that are really good players that have, have developed they start development so much younger than when we were. Um, so the speed and the skill, it, the one thing I always think is that players maybe don't think the game, not all players think the game as well as maybe older players had to think the game because it's so structured and, and uh, they just go and, and, and sometimes maybe it's too fast. They play too fast. And rather than, you know, reading the situations in the game, but uh, I think the game is so fun to watch now. And I, I watch games every night just for fun. And, you know, there's some bad games like there was 20 years ago, but for the most part, the game's, they, they, every game offers some skill and some special plays and you can see the strategy. And again, uh, it, it, to me, it's, it, it's the greatest game and it, and it's going to keep getting better because players, there's, there's so many good players that, that are there. And there, and there's, it, every team is, is, is uh, is going to keep adding good players. And, you know, when we played, there's probably, you know, there's, there was, top end of your team was was always pretty good but now you're looking at third fourth lines these guys add so much to the game skill wise that just keeps the game the pace of the game going for, for 60 minutes where before it would be the top lines would go 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 and then the game would start to drop off when the third fourth lines would come but now it's it's just a constant there, there, there's so many good players uh, in junior, I go watch junior games. It's, it's like the junior junior games used to drop off too when your third and fourth lines would come out because they were all so young. But now the young players are so skilled, they're that keeps the pace of the game going all night long. Yeah, it's uh, I, I love where the game is at too. There are certain things that I miss, but I heard you mention the the grandkids uh, a few times in this conversation. That must be the best part of where you're at in life right now, watching them play. Oh yeah. Oh, for sure. They're, they're 13 and 11 and uh, I get to be behind the bench with the 13 year old during the season this year. I go, I go back to be part of tournaments with them and they're, they love it. And that's all. The only thing I care about is if they love the game, keep playing. If they don't want to play, they don't like it, go do something else. But they, they just love the game, both of them. And uh, it's, it's so much fun watching them. Are they in awe of Grandpa, that star at the oh. Almond? You're on the Wall of Fame at the uh, Gardens in the Sioux. Come on! No, they they don't say much about that. They kind of like, oh, Grandpa. It's like, <laughs> I tell them something. It's like, yeah, I know, I know, I know. They're like they're kids, and that we don't push much on them. They we just all again. Their their uh, their dad is uh, played in the OHL for five years in Windsor, Craig Kennedy. 
And uh, so he does a great, he's coached both of them. And uh, so he does a great job with them. And, and so I don't, I don't, I don't say a lot to them, actually. I, I just buy them sticks. That's, that's my job. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that from NHLer and Stanley cup finalist to stick boy. That's how it's gone. eh? Wow. The sticks are so expensive. It's no crazy. kidding. So the 13 year old now is strong enough. He breaks, he breaks them. And it's like, okay, Colin, this is, this is the last one for this month. <laughs> <laughs> you might have to start calling in favors, Craig. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, this has been a lot of fun to get the chance to sit down and talk, especially junior hockey with you and your deep connections to it. And Sault Ste. Marie, which I love not quite as much as you yet, but boy, oh boy, I have uh, really fallen in love with that city. I love our trips up there every year. So oh, thanks, right. for, thanks for doing this. Thanks for having me. And, and again, it's uh, junior hockey is a great thing. And any kid in the Southern Ontario that wants to go to the soup, don't worry. It's a great place. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Emily Roger, and I host a leadership show called The Boiling Point with my co-host, Dave Vale. Together, we sit down with trailblazing entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers who are driving meaningful change in our world. The show is all about exploring the lives and perspectives of leaders who are making a difference. Join us for insightful conversations that challenge the status quo, spark new ideas, and inspire you to take action. Find us on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or at BoilingPointPodcast.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.